host, Alex Garrett. Welcome back inside the Alex Garrett Podcasting. And before we go any further, I just want to say it does seem like the only option now for this Russian-Ukrainian disaster, for this invasion of Ukraine, is that maybe, just maybe, the people of Russia inside will revolt against Putin. People say it might not happen. I say the protests are a good sign. I say maybe, economically speaking, when you when you tear down the economy of your people, they might revolt against you. I, I, that's what we got to call on, because it feels like the West is, whether you think wisely or not, is not doing anything. But I want to get someone who may have a thought on this. In fact, Open Primaries Vice President Jeremy Gruber. Man, it's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. Let's start with this idea. First of all, let's start with what Open Primaries is doing to help the people of Ukraine right now. What are you guys up to? Well, we're we're an election reform group. We're working to ensure that all Americans have the ability to participate openly and freely and equally in every publicly funded election. Uh, so our focus is right here at home to, to ensure that our, our elections become more democratic and more fair. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do feel like some of the, a lot of the focus has shifted to the Ukraine issue when there are tons of problems at home. And open primaries uh, feels that way as well. Yeah, we've got things to sew up here uh, a little more, like focus on more. Well, I think if we're going to be a beacon for democracy around the world, uh, we have to do and continue to do uh, our own work to make sure that we are as democratic as we profess to be and as we should be. Um, And so democracy requires an active citizenry, uh, and it it requires that we work constantly as citizens um, to not be complacent, but to work to ensure that everyone is treated equally, fairly, and has a, a voice, an equal voice in how our government operates. And do you feel that um, if we have a better primary system, something like we're seeing overseas could be avoided based on who we elect here? Or is that just an ongoing problem? Well, I think that if we're going to, again, be a country that we expect other populations to look to, and to model themselves on in terms of how to build a a free society, then it's incumbent upon us to do that work here at home and to uh, not both as citizens um, and to make sure that we're electing representatives that, that truly bring that spirit to the state house and to Congress and bring that vision to the way that they operate with all our uh, our allies around the world. Okay, I, I gotta say, open primaries had Andrew Yang just a couple of months ago, and he said that you guys are a level up. Uh, when you hear something like that from Andrew Yang, a presidential candidate, 
an influencer. What's that mean for you guys? Well, look, I mean, there's a lot of uh, reforms out there that have been embraced um, by the elites and by uh, the political parties and by political insiders. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we like to say open primaries is that rare reform that uh, unites both major parties in opposition. And that's because it's one of those rare reforms that um, that doesn't place advantage to uh, to any party to to any elite. It's a true movement. And open primaries is really more than a reform. It's a movement to ensure real democracy in our elections and an equal voice among our citizens. And, and I think Andrew Yang, um, you know, recognizes um, that, you know, open primaries as an issue and as a movement sits outside of sort of the traditional framework of reform and serves as a really important um, opportunity to push, you know, people outside of their comfort zones to embrace what, what real democracy is supposed to look like and supposed to mean. And that requires you to put aside party, to put aside partisan advantage, uh, to put aside um, the us versus the them and the silos that we build around uh, each other um, and to embrace a different way of, of looking at politics and looking at elections. And that is a more purely democratic way forward. Did you feel that the State of the Union this week was a way forward for all Americans, certain Americans? I mean, did you feel that inclusiveness that I believe open primaries is trying to bring to democracy and, and the United States of America? Well, I think it's an, uh, the State of the Union was uh, a valuable perspective, but it's it's a limited perspective. It's the perspective of, um, of of where sort of the the framing of party politics, as far as it will really take you. Um, I think that um, you know the issue of uh, I mean, let's look for example at where we are now in terms of people's apprehension about the state of our democracy. Um, you have an, uh, a, a group of Republican conservative activists on the right that are pushing legislation in states around the country, trying to um, make our elections more partisan, trying to put control of our elections into a into the hands of a smaller group of partisans in the legislature. And you have on the other side, you have a group of democratic insiders and democracy groups that are challenging that from the perspective that this is a, a new and uh, vicious attack on our, you know, nonpartisan system of elections. And it's an important fight, but it's a fight that is, I think 
hampered uh, hampered in in a very bad way by the failure to recognize that our elections have always been partisan, that we're the really the only Western democracy that has partisan elections. Uh, most countries in the world have nonpartisan run elections, meaning that the authorities that run the elections are not the same groups that participate as competitors in them. Um, but we don't have that in this country. We have a partisan system of elections, meaning that the Republican and Democratic parties are both competitors and they compete and run candidates. Um, but they also are the gatekeepers of our entire system of elections as well. And, and that's, of course, you know, expressed in, in the issue of you know, closed party primaries. But that's only really a symptom of a much broader problem, and that is the fact that every aspect of our election system um, is an expression of Democrat versus Republican. Uh, if you, uh, you you can really tear down any aspect. Look at boards of elections. Boards of elections in most states, you have to be a Democrat or a Republican to be a member of the boards of elections. Poll judges, poll workers, poll watchers, who gets voter data, how voter registration cards are designed. They're all framed from the perspective of Republican versus Democrat. The problem is, is now anywhere from a third to a half of registered voters in every state are independent. It's a framework that does no, no longer work for a sizable amount of our citizens. And that's causing stresses at every, in every area of our election and political system, including primaries. Uh, w, um, I was going to say, sorry about that. Um, I have uh, I have a friend who is trying to get into a primary, and you know the the whole money thing is coming up because maybe they challenge him on the GOP side with a with a stronger candidate that has the money backing. So, does open primaries believe that if you have them open, the monetary value becomes less important and more the quality of the candidate? Well, look. Open primaries is not going to take money out of politics. Let's let's be let's be honest about that. But um, what more open and non-partisan primaries will do will make the influence of money um, less toxic. And that's because money in politics is at its strongest when the framework is narrow in terms of participation, in terms of candidates, when when it's more controlled and when less people participate and the choice of candidates um, is controlled, um, the more open the system, the more people who can participate, the broader the amount of the electorate that the political class is responsible to, um, the harder it is for money to be as controlling an influence. Um, I mean, if you I mean, just think about it, if if you as a politician know that in order to get elected and stay in office, you only have to be responsive to a small percentage of the partisan electorate from your party, um, then the moneyed influences know that as well. 
So for them to affect that election, they only have to spend to affect that small subset of the electorate. Um, but if elections become more open and more democratic, if politicians have to be accountable to every member of their district, not just the partisan few, it's going to be a hell of a lot more expensive for money to be to buy influence and a, and a lot more difficult. Um, so it's not directly about money in politics, but the more democratic our elections are, the harder it is, not just for uh, money, but really for any influence that um, that wants to take advantage um, and to separate Americans from, you know, the, the concept of one person, one vote, the harder it's going to be for them. Um, the more democratic the system, the harder it is for the elites, for the money class to uh, to divide and conquer. And that's really why that that's really the basis of what democracy is supposed to be. Isn't it amazing, Jeremy, talking about Jeremy Gruber, the vice president of open primaries, that the same parties argue for inclusiveness, but I do feel like that inclusiveness has a price tag, doesn't it? Well, I think that in a in an election system where the competitors, as I as I said before, where the competitors are also the umpires, um it's it's really inevitable um, that they will seek to uh, seek advantage at every level and create barriers against the other party seeking advantage as well, but fail to really recognize the need to be accountable to anybody who's not part of that paradigm. Um, so, you know, you, you you look, for example, at New York City, New York City, which has five to one Democrat uh, registration. It's a uh, it's the Democratic primary is the only election that matters in New York City. Um, you just saw legislation passed to give non-citizens the right to vote. Now, if you look at the supporters of it, they they use you know great inclusive language about how if you live in a community you should have the right to vote and you have the right a right to say how your elected representatives um, act when you live and pay taxes in a community regardless of whether or not you're a citizen. Well, that's there's a lot of legitimacy to that argument. The problem is is that the same folks who are offering that argument have absolutely no problem shutting out uh, everybody in New York City who's not a member of the Democratic Party from having a meaningful vote with closed primaries. Um, and so the million plus unaffiliated voters, the, the half a million uh, Republicans who, of course, have no whose primaries are, are completely uh, uh Unimpactful. Um, any third-party voters. None. Of these all those you know million and a half voters who are not members of the Democratic Party. They could care less about those votes, particularly the independents. Um, there's over a million independents in New York City that are shut out of voting, but uh, but the Democrats in New York City are, are focused on on the non-citizens who can't uh, 
who can't vote because um, there's the hope that they'll become Democrats. Well, I feel like one in a million speaking out about this because I believe in open primaries. I believe that independents should have a right to vote because we're taxpayers. And so of the million, uh, have you seen a lot talk about this or is this kind of like a brushed aside? Like, What is the effort like in New York City from the one million independents? Are you seeing a strong force or not as much? Well, I think there's the the. And this is what both parties capitalize on, is that independents are not a group, right? They're not organized. Um, They're joined by a loose set of, you know, beliefs in, you know, that that the parties don't represent them, that the the two-party system as designed shuts out too many voters, disenfranchises too many voters, doesn't represent most voters, um, but they're not organized in any way that they can act like a group. And I, the parties count on that. Um, they count on that. And, and, and that's why they ignore them. Um, the moment independent voters b- become more organized as a group um, is the moment the parties will be forced to listen. But, you know, part of the reason why they're independent in the first place is that they don't want to join you know, one of the established ways that we do politics in this country. I, I, I you know, all the power to, to, to independent voters, but it does make it more difficult um, to impact politically. And that's, and that's, you know, that's a real, that's a real problem because independent voters are now the largest or second largest group of voters in half the states in the country. They're going to be the largest or second largest group of voters in almost every state in, in about the next 10 to 15 years of current rates of growth. They are the largest group of voters in the country and they're shut out in closed partisan primaries and they're underrepresented even in partisan uh, elections that, uh, that allow them to participate. Um, And so, you know, we have a system of primary elections that was designed, you know, 80 years ago when almost everybody was a Republican or Democrat. That's not the case anymore. And the entire system, not just of primaries, but the entire system of election administration in this country um, is starting to uh, fracture as a result of of the changing electorate, as a result of the changing makeup of the states that are becoming uh, more uh, red or more blue. Um, and that's causing fractures all over our system of, of primaries, our system of elections more generally. All right. Well, open primaries actually consists of it's like a consolidation of Republicans, Democrats, independents. And I think that's the beauty of your organization, Jeremy. And uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that's correct, right? Well, we, we yeah, we're a nonpartisan organization. Um, we're supported by, as you said, Republicans, Democrats, independents, third party members, uh, anybody who uh, wants to see a more open and democratic uh, electoral system, uh, more accountable politicians, um, uh, more fairness and equality in our elections, and that—that's a—that's a concept that brings a lot of different people together uh, in support. And it's an—it's an important—it's uh, an important movement. It's a movement for more freedom, more democracy, and it's a movement that is fundamentally um, based on the concept that everyone 
regardless of political affiliation or lack thereof, should be able to vote equally in a in a taxpayer fund in any taxpayer funded election. Um, well, I I percent agree with that. Election. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. I know that Michael Smirkanish is joining you guys on another Zoom session this Monday. Tell us about what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, Michael Smirkanish, CNN. Uh, he also has a number of uh, radio shows and other programs. You may be familiar with him. Uh, he's an independent, and uh, and he has been a, an outspoken independent uh, for a long time. Um, and he is an important voice in the conversation about the legitimacy of independence. There's been uh, a lot of uh, work done by pundits and academics and others that try to marginalize independence, say they're really just leaners. They're really just closet Democrats or closet Republicans. They're not, they're not real. Well, Michael Smirkonish is very real and he's a, he's a, uh, a very strong voice for independence and that they are real, that more and more Americans are saying, we don't want to join one of the two major parties. That's why the independent voters are growing while the parties are losing members. Um, and Michael Smirkonish uh, is really standing up as an important voice for sort of this growth of now the largest group of voters in the country, independent voters. And what is it about open primaries that's bringing these influencers like Andrew Yang, like Michael Smirkanish. I mean, it's more than just feeling like they're connected to you guys. There's, they, they see a vision from you, don't they, uh, from open primaries? I think they, they appreciate um, that open primaries, uh, and I'm talking about the organization now, open primaries is not just about one specific type of reform. Um, it's not about fetishizing one particular way forward, that it's really a movement. It's a movement to ensure that, uh, that Americans are treated equally at the ballot box. And, and I think there's a recognition that the open primaries movement is something really unique among election reforms. It's much bigger um, and more fluid uh, than, than a lot of uh, reforms that are and, and organizations that support them that are focused really on something you know, very specific and technical. We're, we're, we're about something much broader and bigger, and that is the full equality of American voters. Uh, I love that vision. I love that message. And that's why I love having you guys on and why I want people to sign up. So how can we watch Michael Smirkanish in, uh, in, on the Zoom? I would say in person, but maybe one day they'll be in person, but on the Zoom he's for coming, now. Uh, he's coming on Monday the 7th uh, to our virtual discussion series. Um, at two o'clock, and you can go to openprimaries.org, uh, click on discussion series, and you can sign right up there. You'll you'll, you'll get a link and uh, and a reminder the day of, and you'll be ready to go to to uh, talk. And this isn't we our calls are all open, which means that we don't just put somebody uh, on your screen that you can watch like it's a television. This is interactive. We're movement, uh, and we want all. Uh, our supporters to be participants. Uh, there's a from different a states, by the way. An answer session. It's taped. If you miss it, you can watch it. There's also an active question and answer session for those uh, who do uh, come on for the live session. It's also uh, on Facebook Live. If you want to just go at two o'clock to our Facebook feed, again, you can click on uh, openprimaries.org and jump on our Facebook feed, or or just look on it on Facebook directly. And um, and get involved in the conversation or watch some of our past conversations. We've uh, 
as you mentioned, we've had Michael McConish come in on this Monday, and we've had Andrew Yang. But uh, this we're now you know into our second, uh, uh, actually a third season of a virtual discussion series, and we've had dozens of of folks on talking about uh, whether the leaders, campaigns, activists, uh, influencers, and others talking about the need for uh, more open election system. So I, I hope you can come to our website, learn about the issue, join our virtual discussion series, and get involved. Well, I love that. And by the way, they do have different states represented through these Zoom calls. I mean, people from all walks of life seem to be on there and asking questions, which is great. Jeremy, I, I have one last to, to sort of bookend this. Could the people of Russia fight for something open or are they locked in? I mean, I, I just I feel bad for them, but I, I want to know, is there a chance for any open election, any democracy one day should Putin, you know, be kicked out? God willing. I hope so. I, I, I my my wish for every person in the world is that they have access to a more open society, free elections, true equality. I think that is um, that is what that, that is not just uh, the goal of, of of our system, but that's you know that that has been the light that we as Americans have tried to shine into the world, uh, however imperfectly, um, since our founding, and uh, and that's certainly my hope for for the for Russians, Ukrainians, and for everybody who um, who wants to you know live their life in a in a truly equal society. I know you're focused on New York, uh, on the United States, but could you ever go international with these ideas? Well, you know, I right now, uh, you know, I think there's been there has been a long time when Americans were going abroad, talking and preaching about free and fair elections and uh, and a more open society. Uh, my focus is making sure that we actually have that at home in the long run so that we can continue to export it. Uh, and uh, so I, I want to make sure we have our own house in order uh, before we go telling other people that uh, what, what they should be doing and how they should be thinking about uh, building their, their own democracies. I love that you say we have to export it out to the world. And, and by keeping our own home in order, I feel like we can do that in open primaries the, the organization is helping make sure it, we're, we're good on the home front. And so Jeremy Gruber, Vice President, thanks for joining. And, and please do come back. I'd love to recap the Smirconish uh, Zoom as well. Happy to come back anytime. Appreciate it. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. And, and yes, we have to protect our home front. Uh, I would maybe hate to say it right now, but first and foremost, it's the home front. And I agree with Jeremy on that front. And uh, God bless all of Ukraine. God bless the Russian people as they go through this, uh, dealing with a government that's not listening to them either. So let's just pray for them and America and everybody on Alex Garrett Podcasting. Thanks again.